the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stop causing your children to be under the same pressure and pain that you were under when you were a kid. Hello and welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be sharing God's truth right from the Bible, teaching you life lessons you may not want to hear, but you need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study from the book of Genesis. God has no favoritism whatsoever. In fact, his love for us is unwavering. It's unlimited and it's unbiased. And he doesn't love men more than he loves women. He doesn't love one race over another race. We're told that the God of creation, that he created humanity in his own image, meaning every single person on planet Earth, from China to Africa to whatever continent you want to mention, Denmark, wherever, it's like everybody came from the first man who was Adam and the first woman who was Eve. Everyone came down from them. That's where we descended. Therefore, with God, there is no racism. There is no discrimination. There is no form of racial prejudice. There is no bigotry. Once we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what changes everything. Now, Some people will say, we're all in the family of God. You just said we all came down. We were all created in God's image. That's right. But if you don't come into a relationship with Jesus Christ through accepting him into your heart as your Savior, you will be banished from God. Because God says, it's not that my hand is short that I can't reach you. It's not that my ears dull that I can't hear you. But your sin has made a separation between you and me. It has severed us from each other other. So yes, you have to come into a relationship with Jesus. You have to have your sins forgiven. And how is that possible? Because Jesus died on the cross. And when you come into that relationship with Jesus Christ, it entitles us all now to the same access to God. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that God hears me more than he would hear you. What matters is simply this. Do we spend time with God? Do we spend time in his word? Do we spend time in prayer? Do we invest in the relationship with God? See, if we're going to be friends, right, we got to hang out. That's how you develop friendships. So if you have a best friend, they're your best friend. Why? Because you do stuff with them. You know, you hang out with them. You go to a Laker game. You go places. You do things. You go dirt bike riding. You go camping. You go out to lunch together. I had a friend of mine yesterday. He just called me up randomly. See, because he knows me and he tempts me. You know, he calls me at 10 minutes to 12. Okay, I'm behind in my study. I study all day Saturday for Sunday. And so it's like I'm there. I'm studying. And then there goes the phone. Do you want to go get some pastrami? Uh, 
uh, it's 10 minutes to 12. I'm already hungry. I'm like, well, I got to eat anyway. You know? He knows, you know. It's like you have to develop that. How do you develop the relationship with God? You hang out with him. You pray. You sit at his feet. You read his word. That's what you do. And I like how in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi really talked about who we should all be, men and women alike. This is what should be a description of our life who really love the Lord. And it's told to us in Malachi 2.6. It says, true instruction was in their mouth and unrighteousness was not found in their lips. They walked with me in peace and a brightness. And what was the fruit of the true believer? And they turned many back from iniquity. See, they always had the desire and aspiration to be used of God. Yes, when you and me as believers rise up to become who God has called us to be, that's when we see his hand of favor and blessing upon us. It's amazing what God can do when a life is willing to be used. Understand, nobody said being a Christian was going to be easy. Oh, I just gave my life to Christ. My life's going to be like a bowl of cherries. Uh, no. Have you noticed that the world is going in a complete opposite direction of where godliness and righteousness is? So you're going to be looked at and the culture is going to want to cancel you because of your relationship with Christ. But yet we are told how to live in the Bible. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has told you, O man or O woman, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Do what's right. Live upright. Let people look in your eyes and no longer see you, but see Jesus in you. But getting back to Joseph, not only did his father love him more, but in verse 3, Jacob made him a multicolored robe. And this spoke of not only his favor towards Joseph, but it also conveyed position over his brothers, along with being a sign of not having to work. It's like, you're the boss. Wait, he's the youngest one. His brothers are like, they're like in their 40s. They're in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And you got the 17-year-old kid, and he's got the, the robe on. It's like, I'm the boss. It's like, oh, great. That's good. This favoritism that Jacob showed to his son Joseph, it did not help Joseph. It hurt Joseph. This robe, it just rubbed his favored position and his brother's faces like, like, you know, methylate. This did not help him. It hurt him. See, again, this robe, just, it just rubbed it in their faces. If we look back when Jacob was a little boy, so let's take Joseph's dad. Let's take him all the way back when he was a young boy. Okay, what was happening in his life? What did his father Isaac do to him? Remember, we studied it. Isaac favored his older brother Esau, who was, again, older by, what, 30 seconds? He came out of the womb first. They were twins. Oh, these twins? Oh, night and day difference, okay? They were just completely different. And Esau was a hairy man. And his father, Jacob, he, he so favored him over Joseph. Why? Because Esau was a real boy. 
Oh my goodness. He was a man's man. He was a hunter in the field. He was probably talked about amongst all the other men and us guys like that. Oh man, look at your son. Man, he's a beast. It's like, oh yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, here's Joseph. You know, he hung out in the kitchen with his mother baking cookies. Okay. So, you know, you have a day when, you know, there's a cart that comes in and Esau, the hairy man hunter comes in. He's got a 1,200 pound elk in the back and a big old rack on his head. And all the men are like, oh man. Look at your son. He's a beast. You know, that's my son. And then the whole time they're all talking about Esau. Joseph comes in. You want a cookie? (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like, you know, hey, you know, it's just the way that it was. It's like he favored him. I wonder how Jacob liked that his whole life. Always bragging about Esau. Always bragging about everything that he did. All his, you know, huge things and hunting big game and all of that. How did Jacob like it? Yet now he's doing the very same thing to his son over his other sons. What he hated the whole time growing up, he's doing the same thing. Let me ask you straight up here, parents. Was there anything that your parents did to you? Was there anything that they hated in your life? I mean, maybe they were critical of you. Always critical of you. Or everything had to be perfect. And you despised it. And now you've grown up, are you doing the same thing to your kids? Are you being critical of them? Are you being critical to your spouse? Maybe your parents had really bad vices, drinking, drugs, some other vice, and you witnessed the damage that it did while you were growing up. Are you now maybe playing around with the very same thing that you saw do damage when you were growing up? Enough. Enough. Put it away. Stop it. Stop causing your children to be under the same pressure and pain that you were under when you were a kid. Don't do the same damage to them that was done to you. It's time to stop and pray before you go any farther. Before you do the same damage that others did to you. Yes, today is the time to change. Today. Don't take it out of here anymore. Today is that day to stop going in that same direction. Today is the day to change your course. If one of your parents had a vice, don't do the same thing. Don't do it. If your parents got divorced, don't you get a divorce. You've seen what happened. You know, people say, oh, children are resilient. They'll get over it. No, they don't get over it. They don't ever get over it. So don't you do the same to your kids. Stay in that marriage. Seek the Lord to strengthen that marriage. Listen, core church is a full service church because of your free will gift offerings. We have a full pastoral staff here. Are you struggling in your marriage? Why don't you come in for counseling? Are you too prideful? You'd rather have your spouse miserable because, well, I don't want people to know our business. Okay, then go down in flames with your business. You know, it's like, why don't you come in? Our pastors are not going to share your business with anyone else. We don't sit around afterwards and say, oh, you're not going to believe what they're going through. You're not going to believe what they're... We don't talk about it. It's like, it's private. It's personal. And our job is not to be on your side or your spouse's side. 
Our job is to be on your marriage's side. And we want that marriage to be rock solid. So if you're going through a tough time right now, stop being arrogant and prideful. Come in and allow one of our pastors to walk you through this thing so that your marriage will be enhanced. Do you have a high schooler who's a disaster? Why don't you come in and talk to Pastor Brenton? Why don't you come in and bring him in? Like, let's, let's try to remedy the problems here. Are you single and you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired single? Hey, I get it. I, I mean, I, I understand, you know, if you're in that same thing. But don't make the mistake and just get married to get married because I'm just sick of being single. Because listen, if, if, if I could ask you, what is your level of misery being single? Okay, so I'm just asking you, don't, don't, don't shout it out. I'm a 7.5, okay? It's like, you know, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, maybe some of you are like, I'm a 15. Uh, it only goes up to 10. Well, I'm a 15, okay? So I get it, okay? So if, if you're miserable being single, I just want you to know, if you marry the wrong person and you jump into a marriage too quickly and you don't go through the marriage counseling and, you know, and you just get in there, your level of misery will quadruple, okay? So just, just, you know, because, you know, again, you know, marriage is like flies on a screen door. The ones on the inside want out, and the ones on the outside want in, okay? So it's just, it is what it is, okay? So again, again, it's like, wait upon the Lord. Let us help counsel you through this time, help encourage you, because you want to find the one that loves Jesus more than they love you. Why? Why is that so important? Because, because it's going to hit the skids eventually. The honeymoon always comes to an end. This is reality. Men and women are completely different, okay? Men are pretty complicated, you know? You know, we're, we're like a violin, you know? So we got strings and, you know, we got a bow that has to be played. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with a violin to make the thing sound good, you know? But, you know, women are a little bit more complicated, like a satellite cruising around. The planet. <laughs> They're just a little, a little more complicated, okay? So we're completely different, okay? So you got two people that are wired by God, purposely different. People will come in, you'll see the marriage council, and say, they're against me. If I say yes, they say no. If I say up, they say down. If I say white, they say black. It's like, it's just, they're just completely, well, maybe they're just looking at it differently, okay? So not only are you completely wired different, but you're both sinners, okay? You both do things that are wrong. You have nasty, stinky attitudes at times. So it, it's a process for the two to become one flesh. That's all I'm saying. So take advantage of the church. Take advantage of all the pastors that are here that you can come and sit down and we can help pray you through this and help you make good decisions. Which brings up our second point, the cost of dreams. Oh, here comes the dreamer here. Let's read, picking up in verse 5. Then Joseph, he had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Verse 6, he said to them, please listen to my dream that I've had. For behold, we were all binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheave rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheep. Then his brothers, they said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Verse 9. Now he had still another dream. And he related it to his brothers and said, hey, 
Maybe you shouldn't relate your dreams. But anyway, he says, Lo, I have had another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father now rebukes him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come and bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the sayings in his mind. Wow. Yes, Joseph was the favored child. And now the favored child is filled with dreams. Let's take an inventory of our first 11 verses in Genesis 37. Are you ready? Verse 4, his brothers hated him. Verse 5, his brothers hated him more. Verse 8, his brothers hated him yet even more. Verse 10, his father rebukes him. Verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him. Wow, that's the first few verses of Genesis 37. Yet his father Jacob, though, said, you know, there might be something to these dreams. So he kept them in mind, meaning he carefully pondered what was really being said. Yes, Joseph was a dreamer. And again, maybe he should have just kept them to himself. For his brothers were not having anything to do with bowing down to their little brother. All they could think of was, hey, Joseph, get your head out of the clouds. Read our lips. We will never, ever bow down to you. Their blood was boiling. But all Joseph was doing was sharing what God had revealed to him through his dreams. This reminds me of another young woman in the Bible about the same age as Joseph, who received some pretty radical information from an angel that was literally sent by God and dispatched to tell her this. Her name was Mary. She was the mother of Jesus. And the angel said to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, he said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne and his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. And he's like, Bingo, that's good. But the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and nothing is impossible for God. You know, one of the descriptions of Jesus in the Bible was he had no stately form or appearance that you'd be attracted to him. See, we're never told, you know, like, oh, Jesus, well, he's really debonair. He's so good looking. Like, I mean, you can put him on the front cover of GQ magazine, and like you see on the Catholic Church, you know, he's kind of got the suntan and blonde streaks in his hair, and he's... You're looking good. Every time you see a movie of Jesus, it's like, which one's Jesus? Oh, the good-looking one right there, you know. You know, which one's Judas? Oh, he's the one with the leather jacket in the corner, you know. Glasses, you know. No, no, it's like, no, it's not like that. Judas looked good, and Jesus just looked ordinary. There was nothing about his appearance. So I'm just saying it could be that Mary was just very average. Usually when you see these movies of Jesus, well, who's Mary? She's the prettiest one. I would say that Mary was probably just very, very average. So here she is, and for the rest of her life, she suffered because everyone knew she got pregnant before she got married to Joseph. Well, you know, Joseph just kind of, 
he went ahead and married the girl. You know, she, she was a hussy, and he married her. You know, he felt bad for her. And it even came up later with Jesus. Remember the Pharisee said to him, well, at least we know where we came from. What they were saying was, we know who you are. We know your mother was a hussy. See, that's why it's good that I'm not God, because I just would have said, oh, you're going to get on my mom now. <laughs> Lightning from heaven. Okay. Uh, next, who, next question. I'm fielding questions. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think so. Yes, nobody believed Mary either. Yet Mary pondered it. She thought about it. She considered what it meant. Yes, God was now preparing Joseph for an incredible ride. For God was going to use Joseph for something that was so much bigger than he, than his father Jacob, than all of his brothers could have ever imagined. For he would be used to save an entire nation along with God's people. Crazy but true. From a horrendous turn of events that are going to happen years from now that we're going to read about in detail in coming studies. Know this. Joseph would pay a heavy price for these dreams. To be in the will of God, to walk in the journey that God had called him, it's going to cost him. It's going to change the whole course and direction of his entire life. I wonder how many of us here would say, I wish God would use me. I read all these people in the Bible, and man, they just do these great things. And you know, I wish God would use me like that. I'm a willing vessel. How come God doesn't use me? But I wonder if we would still be a willing vessel if we knew that there would be a huge price to pay for being that willing vessel. That being used by God's going to take you off of your path. It's going to take you off your path of comfort. It's going to take you off your path of convenience. You're going to go where you don't want to go. You're going to talk to people you don't want to talk to. Well, when we allow God to unfold his plan in our lives, know this, it will always, always cost us. But in the end, God seems to have a way of always bringing things back around, a way of turning our sour grapes into new, fresh wine. Well, Jacob sent Joseph out to find his brothers again. This is a pretty good walk, you know, so it's going to take him maybe a day and a half to get there, whatever, you know, which brings up our third and final point, the cost of jealousy. Genesis 37 verse 18 says, and when they saw him, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then come, let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Yeah, a little bitter much. Verse 21. But Reuben, this is the eldest, this is the first son of Leah, this is the oldest son of Jacob. He heard this and he rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life, shed no blood, throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him. So, you know, he's, he's the eldest brother, so he's got a little bit of say so with the other ones, that he might rescue him out of their hands and restore him to his father. Verse 23, so it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic and they took him and they threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal and they raised their eyes and looked. Behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites were coming from Gilead with their camels bearing Aramaic gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. So they're going to go down there and have a swap meet and sell their stuff. Verse 26, Judah said to 
to his brothers, what profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus, they brought Joseph to Egypt. Now, Reuben returned to the pit. Remember, he was going to get him and take him back to Jacob. Joseph was not in the pit, so he tore his garments. Oh, my goodness. And he returned to his brothers and said, the boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? Because he was the eldest. He was responsible. How am I going to face dad with this? So they took Joseph's tunic, they slaughtered a male goat, and they dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Please examine it to see whether it's your son's tunic or not. Verse 33. Then he examined it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. And Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. All of his sons and all of his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, surely I will go down to Sheol. I'll go down to hell in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of his bodyguard. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 347-89, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 